0: Listening to the Eurofo Radio Network, and this is the Andrew Carrington Hitchcock Show with your host Andrew Carrington
1: Hitchcock. Hello, everybody. Returning with me today is Pastor Bob Jones of Nevada, and we are going to start a new series on a uh, article. I would say it's, it's quite long. It's an excellent article. It's called Satan's Top Ten Organizations. That's Satan's Top Ten Organizations pastor bob put this together some years ago so uh, i'm going to read the uh them from one to ten and we'll just uh see how long this series goes and um there's some brilliant stuff in it so i'm going to bring pastor bob up right now pastor bob are you with me i
0: am nice to do the show again
1: yeah well it's great having you on as always and um yes i've got this document here that i've been reading through and uh as i say it's satan's top 10 organizations and we're going to start with number one and this has been written by yourself so afterwards i'm just gonna i generally ask you for your comments uh, but these are your comments as we uh, chatted before the show so it'll just be to uh, give any expansion on on this and talk through it any further so number one you've got organized religion and this is what you say all so-called religions are started by Satan and his kids, the so-called Jews of today, and stem from the Kabbalah. That is the original Black Magic book. Then the Babylonian Talmud, revised as the Jew as the Jerusalem Talmud. It is stated by the Jews that they form the Catholic, which means universal, church. History is clouded, however they certainly control it now. The Pope is a Jew and his mother's name was Wanda Katz. When the Protestants broke off from the Catholics in the Reformation, the Jesuits were formed by a Jew in 1534 named Loyola, with the purpose to bring back the Protestants to the Catholic Church and convert all other religions and people, or kill them. They have taken over all the seminaries they have formed the National and World Council of Churches. They are part of the Order of the Black Robe. The false priests have taught their lies and turned our people from their Father in the heavens. Therefore, they are the most evil. Christian, or more correctly, Christ's Sons, is a racial name like Israelites or Hebrews. The Christ Sons and daughters do not have a God Or religion, but have a father in the heavens and a book with his word told by the prophets in the older scriptures and the disciples in the newer scriptures—a very big difference. So, what would you like to expand on this, uh, Pastor Bob?
0: Well, yeah, the uh, uh, first off, you know, all organized uh, Yahweh—he gave his children his word directly. He spoke directly to Adam. He spoke directly to Enoch and uh, all the patriarch fathers, David, and on down the line. He spoke to them directly. Moses, uh, he gave the Ten Commandments to directly, uh you know, his words. <clears throat> now, from Adam's time all the way down to John the Revelator, uh, which is 5,500 years, actually about 5,600 years. um, Different people, they were called the prophets in the older scripture because they were prophetizing about Christ's coming. And then the disciples who learned under Yahweh as Yahshua, who was Yahweh is Yahshua in a flesh body. He's not two separate people. Um, and we went over that, but we can certainly prove that easy just by the, the first commandment, thou shall have no other gods before me. Well, if you have Christ before God, then that would have to be having a God before him and so forth. Uh, you know, so he's, he's one. Uh, and that was the big confusion. So the Jews didn't really understand and he always spoke in parables when they were around anyway, so that they wouldn't understand. His white race children, they got it. Um, He called them their sheep. Uh, It's interesting, too, that sheep, uh, they know their master's voice. And uh, a sheep herder who's not, hasn't ever been around a group of sheep, he could go out there and he could talk to the sheep, come along or whatever he says, and they won't move. But then their master that they know, they hear his voice and then they move. Um, So it's interesting, these parallels that are in the scripture, and if you don't study to show yourself approved, you won't get it. And that's the big thing he said for you to do, study to show yourself approved. Study what? Study the word of Yahweh. There was, uh, as Wesley Swift put it in one of his articles, there was originally 163 books bought into the Council of Nicene. Ten were false books. And 153 were correct books. And 153 is a significant number because that's the exact number of fishes when Yahweh, as Yahshua, told Peter to cast your uh, net, fishing net, on the right side of the boat. And he pulled in 153 fishes. At any rate, the 153 books, the Catholic Church, they whittled it down to 80 78 correct books and two false books. The two false books are the uh, Song of Solomon, which is a nice book of poetry, but does not mention Yahweh or Yahshua or, or anything. It's not inspired. It's just a book of poetry. And then uh, the book of Esther, which uh, Comperay and Swift thought were a Jewish book. Pastor Wickstrom did a uh, great uh, dissertation on it that it's a Persian book. And uh, proved the point pretty good. So regardless which way you think, whether it was a Jew book or a Persian book, it's not a Christian book or Christ's son book. As Yahweh, as Yahshua said, I will put my name on my sons, Christ's sons, not Christians, Christ's sons. I mean, that, that, that's pretty easy, but it seems to slip by these little things here and there that people don't get into. Uh, The order of the black robe, the priesthood that came down, uh, which was originally the Melchizedek priesthood and then the Aaronic priesthood and so forth on down the line, they wore white robes and they were the judges. Uh, You would bring somebody before them with a double witness if he was guilty of something and they would present the thing. But he had a white robe. And then he also, besides being a judge, he taught the word of Yahweh, obviously, and he had a white robe. Then <clears throat> they would teach the people the arts and sciences um, of the day uh, and so forth, geometry and uh, poetry and art and uh, different things, history, their language. And he also wore a white robe. Well, the Jews come along and they hijack that as they steal everything else. Anyway, uh, I never met a Jew that didn't lie, cheat, and steal in my life. Uh, and I doubt if I ever would. Anyway, they changed that to the black robe and they took it over, which is why when uh, people graduate from high school or from college, they have a black robe that they go to with a square hat. Uh, and then the judges in the court they have the black robe, and then the Catholic priesthood, they have a black robe, and most of the Protestant priesthood, uh, depending on whatever denomination, they've taken up the black robe also. So that's where that black robe comes in. So you can see that those three areas were hijacked by the uh, Satan's kids, the Jews. Remember, this is a war that Yahweh commanded in Genesis 3.15, That's really the start of the last 7,500 years and what's going on, which is Yahweh commanded, not suggested, but commanded the war between his children, the pure white race, uh, also the seed of the woman, which back then was the pure Persians and the pure Arabs uh, through Ishmael. And uh, so they were against Satan's kids, which were starting with the Canaanites, Since Cain was Satan's kid, not uh, Adam's kid. And uh, I call them kids as goats. And because he says, I'll put my goats on the left and and my children on the right. So these little distinctions down through the scripture, uh, you know, people need to uh, understand. This here was a little dated. When I wrote this, I was talking about the previous pope whose mother's name was Wanda Katz. Uh, and he was also a, uh, chemical salesman during World War II, sold poisons, uh, you know, especially Zyklon B gas, which supposedly, what that is, is a Lauser, uh, to, because when they came in, they were full of disease and, uh, virus, bacteria, fungus, insects, whatever. Um, and so that was a Zyklon B gas was used to kill those bugs and so forth. Uh, It's not used to gas people. And unfortunately there were no gas Jews. Uh, I wish 6 million. Hitler would be my second hero if that was the truth, but unfortunately he didn't do what he was accused of. So anyway, kind of deciphering more of this uh, the national and world council of churches were put over all the churches in all the countries and that includes uh, the Hindu, the Buddhist, uh, the the Muslims, you name it, the National World Council of Churches. See, the Jews just created that. Actually, Rothschild gave them the money and gave them the idea, and they created that, and that was to be over all the churches so that they run them. And so all the churches here in America uh, are 501c3 tax-exempt corporations. Well, you get your tax exemption from the IRS, And, uh, so in order to keep that, you have to toll the line, uh, you get to receive money and you don't pay taxes on it. Um, as the money comes in, of course, if you take a salary or expenses, you're an employee of the church. So you have to pay taxes, but the money that comes in is not taxable. And then you give a receipt to the donor and then he takes it off his taxes. Um, so, but you're controlled. And so, on one hand, the the preachers in the so-called Catholic and Christian churches, they learn at the seminaries, better known as cemeteries. And what they're learning is Babylonian and Jerusalem Talmudism. And so they're learning from that book. And they slowly over time have changed uh, the, the word of Yahweh into, uh, you know, Jew. Uh, how, how that happened, first off, you have the Catholic Church, which was formed around 325 AD, uh, almost 300 years after Yahshua's death. That was started up by lukewarm Christians, and it was allowed because of Constantine, who was the emperor. Uh, who who included that in that it's okay for Christianity to be a religion. Prior to that, they were thrown to the lions and persecuted and crucified and so forth. But you had uh, that, and then they allowed Jews in there, Jew, the, Jews, the first Jews for Jesus crowd, as they say. <clears throat> and so as time went on, the Jews, as they do, they slowly work their way up and take over the money line first and then they take over the hierarchy. And, uh, just like, uh, you know, uh, uh th- 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 I mean, they do in every organization. Um, even when Yahshua walked with the, uh, uh, disciples, uh, Judas Iscariot, what did he do? He was the keeper of the money. Yeah. They always go to take over the money first. Um, so anyway, as time went on, uh, once um, John Wycliffe converted uh, the, the scripture um, around uh, 1380 A.D., because uh, back in 380 A.D., you had uh, Jerome. He translated it into Latin, which was a dead language. Uh, and that was the Hebrew, the Aramaic, which was uh, the Hebrew was all the older scriptures. The Aramaic was the older scriptures and the newer scriptures. And then the first translation was the Greek, starting with Alexander the Great, about 300 BC. And then the disciples, uh, they also translated into Greek, but they first wrote it in Aramaic. So that what they did was, you want to control the Word of God. Well, he, he said, you know, don't mess with one jot or one tittle which is like even a little comma or a period or anything don't mess with anything leave it alone well the catholic church they said this book's in this book's out this is in this is out and they whittled the 153 down to 78 books and two false books they stuck in there now they've removed the 14 apocrypha books and so you have 64 true books in the scripture and two false books uh, the 66 being an interesting satanic number, um, but the bottom line is the other 89 books, what was wrong with them? You know, 64 from 153, you got 89 books. What was wrong with them and what's in them? Why were they, were they taken away from us? Well, I happen to have all of them. And if you search hard, uh, of course, the Internet is great these days. You can get most, if not all of them on the Internet and some uh, ancient bookstores and so forth. The Apocrypha is pretty much ready. And so you have this whole body and this word of Yahweh as Yahweh inspiring the prophets in the older scripture and disciples in the newer scripture to uh, write his word and then for it to be understood in the language that it was written in and knowing the idioms when they use those of that day, and an idiom is a uh, a phrase that um, you know has a, a meaning in that time but may not have a meaning later on in history um, as I use often the thing somebody went to Vegas he lost his shirt well he didn't really lose his physical shirt what he that's a an idiom that he lost his money gambling. So what, what we have here is we have the true word of Yahweh is found in the scriptures, period. Now, there's been many translations and, and books removed, as we just spoke about, and words changed and some passages removed. And then the marginal notes that were put in there by uh, some of the first guys, uh, like in the Geneva Bible, uh, the marginal notes were put in there, on the side to help the people to understand the true word of Yahweh. However, sometimes people take the marginal notes as scripture, they're not. They're learning tools to help you understand the scripture. So when you see something in parentheses as you're reading the scripture, um, realize that that's not scripture. That's Mm -hmm. a tool to help you better to understand. Another way to help you better understand is to get a number of different scriptures. Like I like the Geneva, uh, 1560, the Farrar Fenton, uh, King James is okay. Not my favorite, but you can still find the word of Yahweh in there. Rotherham's, Moffat's, uh, Pennon's, uh, those are just some of them that are great. Uh, pretty much all of them that were written before 1970 um which is when the Jew really went full bore as the true word of Yahweh and the two-sea-line message was coming out they started really changing those books written after 1950 and they started copywriting them now how do you copyright how does a Jew today copyright the word of Yahweh from a few thousand years ago you get the idea folks it's it's just one of these insane things uh copyrighted scripture even the Muslims, if you want to go get a Quran from a mosque, you go in there. They will not sell you the book. If you want to make a donation or not, uh, and they will give you a Koran uh, that is in Arabic on one side and English on the other, and they'll give it to you, or you can make a donation. But in there, they know that they will not sell you you know, they, they consider that, which it's not, but they consider it the word of God and, uh, but they, they won't sell it. Well, here the Jew comes along and they copyright it and they're selling it. And if you try to copy their book, well, they'll take you to court and sue you and win a lawsuit and so forth. This is how the Jew thinks, completely opposite of the white race and what we think. And. Uh, anybody who, by the way, who wants a copy of this, you can contact Andrew, uh, or me, it doesn't matter, uh, over in England, probably easier to get a hold of Andrew and help him tithe because he's helping to teach. Send him some money. I, I work on the side anyway, so I don't, uh, take any ties. Uh, I appreciate the thoughts that people have. I started in the beginning, but I'm, a part-time pastor, as it were, because I work. And so, uh, you know, I don't uh, take any ties. But anyway, um, getting back to this, the Jews put the in the 1800s, late 1800s, and there's a good book on it, uh, they put the National and World Council of Churches governing over every church. Then you also have uh, the IRS, controlling the churches because they're all 501c3 tax-exempt corporations. So going to a a church, a Catholic church or a Protestant church of any denomination, and thinking you're going to get the word of Yahweh, uh, you're mistaken, sadly mistaken. And a friend of mine put it best. He said he calls them the seventy thirty churches. They leave out 70% of the scriptures and only teach 30% of the scriptures, and they teach on the very light subjects and they don't really get into the meat of it so that you learn something and find out what's really going on in the world today. Because, you know, they, everybody probably has heard of Disneyland. Uh That's something that Walt Disney created where you go in there and it's a whole fantasy land and you go to frontier land and future land and uh all this stuff and you go in there and it's a whole, uh, Made up world and, but little kids, they like it and they go on the rides and they eat the, the candy and, and so forth. And, uh, you know, but it's a fantasy land. Well, guess what? We live in Rothschild land on planet earth or Satan's land, if you want to be more specific. Um, Yahweh to without question controls everything there is. Period. End of story. He allowed. As there were four archangels for four sections of the universe and Satan, whose real name was Azazel, um, he was in charge of this sector around here. And he he, in the war in the heavens that happened 75,000 years ago, he was cast down to this earth with his other fallen angels and others that he uh, brought along, which he brought along the black race from the dog star planet. Uh, that's for another time. We'll get into that. Uh but I brought that up on other shows and, and uh Wesley Swift uh talked a lot about that in his uh, uh tapes and so forth, as did uh uh William Gale. So you have a double witness there. But anyway, the uh the big thing here, organized religion, it's all been taken over by the Jews long ago. The uh, When the Protestant movement started flourishing and broke away from the Catholic Church, um, and they uh, went around the Catholic Church to all the kings and princes and potentates and said, you know, hey, these guys are heretics, you got to kill them. So they started killing them and torturing them and burning them at the stake and so forth. And Yahweh opened up the New World, and so they started migrating over to the West, which is the pilgrims and the Puritans and so forth. But eventually the princes and potentates said, hey, you know, we got to stop killing these people because this is our tax base, too. You know, so the the warlords or the kings, they have to work in conjunction. uh, They're the force and they have to work in conjunction with the organized religions and uh, which was the Catholic Church at that time. And so they said, you know, you're killing the people that could tithe you and, you know, you're killing our tax base. You know, because we both got to pick the pocket, you know, of the stupid worker bee, you know, the average person. Um, So they they said, we got to stop that. You guys got to come up with a new plan. So they came up with plan B, which was by Ignatius Loyola, who was a Jew supposedly converted to a Catholic, and he formed the Jesuits. And you have the first Jesuit pope today, which that's not in this article. Uh, cause it was written about 15 years ago or something. Anyway, uh, their deal was, uh, let's slowly, we'll infiltrate all the Protestant churches, let them put all the ones that they want out there Baptist, Lutheran, uh, Episcopalian, Presbyterian, you name it. And so they infiltrated all those, worked their way up, first take over the money line. That's, that's the name of the game. You know, he who has controls the money runs the deal. And so then eventually they take over uh, the hierarchy at the top. And then they slowly change it over to where all the works are in line with the Catholic Church. And then also that, uh, you know, they get to, to change it. And so you folks don't know, like the frog in the pot boiling the water, it's cold and you turn it up little by little and pretty soon you cook the frog alive. Well, that's what they've done in your churches. They've turned it over and changed it up to where all you get is Judaism, uh, Talmudism, taught in the phony churches, and then you tie to them to keep them going, and you're not taught the word of Yahweh. And the simple thing of that is the most important thing, the biggest secret of the last 2,000 years that was told to you by Yahweh as Yahshua 2,000 years ago in John 8:44 and 8:47. The Jews are the children of Satan, and they are not of God, period, end of story. Read it for yourself. I didn't make this up. Uh, It's right there for you to read. And when you start reading the Scripture and you understand where you see the Jews in there, those are the children of Satan. Where you see the true Hebrew and Israelites and now called Christ's sons today. That's the pure white race. And until you get this identity straightened out, you don't know what you're reading or what you're discussing or talking about or anything. It would be like if I said, uh, oh, America was founded by the Chinese coming from the east, and then we had the uh, Africans coming from the south, and we had uh, uh, the Russians uh, coming over the top down through Canada. And that's how America was found, leaving out England and France and Spain. Well, you'd be confused because you wouldn't be able to understand what's really going on in America today because you left out who's who and who's Jew, as they say, mm-hmm. uh, in the thing. So the, the biggest thing and the most important thing you need to realize is this axiom or this fact the Jews are identity thieves. They stole the identity of the pure white race uh, back in 750 B.C., uh, when the uh, the Israelites were taken away by the Assyrians, and then a hundred and so years later, uh, the remainder of the small remnant of Judah, Levi, and Benjamin that were left in Jerusalem were taken away by the Babylonians. Uh, so we went into captivity there for the second time, Egypt being our first time, but we went into there by the second time, and we became known as the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Both of those houses were always once the house of Israel. The tribe of Judah broke away with Benjamin and half of Levi to form the tribe of Judah. But both houses are known as the house of Israel prior to that. And so everybody is included, all the white race. And the true Judahites today are the uh, Irish and the Scottish on the Zerah branch and the Germans on the Pharaoh's branch. And uh Benjamin, of course, is the Icelandic people. And Levi, they never had a land, and they're scattered. They're supposed to be the priesthood that teaches the true word of Yahweh. I must have some connection there because that's what I try to do. And but the big thing is that you have uh you have this this whole organized religion that has captivated and put you people into satan land which has been run the last 200 years by Rothschild land and so you have this whole fantasy starting with the organized religion obviously what would be the first thing if you were satan that you'd want to take over well you'd want to take over the religion and change the people's thoughts on the spiritual level and uh, if you can get that and control them and tell them what to think on the spiritual level. You got them because now that that's where people go to think they're going to get the ultimate truth and they get the lie. Yeah, that's, that's I- that, that's my comments
1: on that one. <laughs> no, well, that's excellent, and I'm I'm quite happy to hand over the mic to you, Pastor Bob, for as long as you want it, just so you can get all that out uninterrupted. And I made uh, three uh, notes on there just to to expand that you're aware of anyway, just uh, for the benefit of the audience. You talked about uh Christ's sons being Christians, or actually Christ's sons, uh, and it it came to mind like. Um, saxons is Isaac's sons if you drop the i you get saxons exactly um so that's another you know indicator for people um and then the holohoax um the best way i find because you're always going to get if you want to turn around to someone that you know knows nothing about yahweh nothing about uh, they think everything they're told by their government and their media is true for me the best thing to show them is the plaque um from Auschwitz and um, I've got this in my article I've got a picture of it it's in my article holocaust or holohoax you be the judge if you go to my website com, hover your mouse over the blog button in the navigation bar and a drop down box will appear I think that's the third article down and I'm just going to read this short paragraph in 1989 in the former concentration camp of Auschwitz, a plaque claiming that four million people had been murdered there, mainly Jews, is replaced with a plaque stating that one and a half million had died there. Strangely, the figure of six million Jews dying in the Holocaust is not reduced accordingly to reflect this two and a half million reduction of the stated death toll at Auschwitz. Furthermore, no reasons for this reduction in the death toll at Auschwitz, nor the fact the six million figure has not been reduced to reflect this reduction are ever given. And the two plaques, the first one that was up there, Till 1989 says, 4 million people suffered and died here at the hands of the Nazi murderers between the years 1940 and 1945. The replacement plaque, forever left this place be a cry of despair and a warning to humanity where the Nazis murdered about 1.5 million men, women and children, mainly Jews from various countries of Europe, Auschwitz-Birkenau, 1940 to 45. And as you've said on shows I've listened to, Pastor Bob, Jewish math is six million minus two and a half million equals six million.
0: (laughs) Yeah, they they just won't let go of that six million number. And two of my favorite, well, several of my favorite things. One is in the Hebrew National Magazine in 1919, the Jews wrote about 6 million Jews perishing then. Yep. And so I always ask the Jews, how come you never, you only talk about the 6 million supposedly died in World War II, but you never ever mention the 6 million died in World War I. 90% of the Jews don't even know what I'm talking about. But then when I happen to have an article and I show it to them and I say, check it out, uh, you know, they, they, they have no words for it. So it's, it's an absolute 100% false thing that six million Jews died in World War II. I wish that was true. Second, Charles de Gaulle, Winston Churchill, and uh, uh, Eisenhower, Ike de Kike Eisenhower, uh, who was the uh, head general uh, in America and for all the uh, armed forces, all of them wrote big, thick memoirs about two inches thick, the book, uh, all about. World War II and so forth, you know, hoping to be a bestseller. But they're basically their biography in World War II, and they mention that there's not one mention of any uh, six million Jews. There's not one mention of any. Uh, uh, and and I've read all three. Oddly enough, I'm a, a reader holic, uh, and <laughs> there's not one mention of of uh, ovens and gas chambers and. Six million dying and all this nonsense—that's not there either. the The plaque is another great thing, and that was used uh, by the Jews because uh, what they did was they—they uh, they, they all say, "Oh, I have this tattoo on my arm." The tattoo was their private numbered Swiss bank account, folks. That's what that was. The Jews put their money in Switzerland. They got uh, back in the early '30s. They got Switzerland to have these privacy laws where you had numbered accounts Uh, they knew at the bank but they made laws that if any teller or anything ever said anything about who actually had the numbered swiss bank account they were facing felonies and prison time and uh, all sorts of horror stories so they had secrecy in switzerland so the jews put their money in the swiss bank accounts there um, tattooed the numbers on their arm in case they got captured if they had a passbook uh, you know, or a checking account or something like that, that would be taken by the Nazis, and they'd never get it again. So in order to get their money, they tattooed their Swiss bank account number on their arm. Well, uh, you know, as you go through this thing and you find out all these holes, and the number was, I've heard, as high as 7 million, all the way down to 54,000 Jews supposedly died in World War II. 54,000, you know who put that forth? That was the Red Cross. The Red Cross had access to all prison camps everywhere. They were uh, part of the Knights Templar, by the way, uh, the Hospitallers. And uh, Switzerland is also one of the places where the uh, Knights Templar had taken over and created that country, um, as some of you know. And then uh, also they uh, uh, went up into Scotland— was the Saint Clair family, and they uh, uh, put together the uh, Scottish Rite up there, and so forth. But not to get off the subject, uh, the bottom line is that uh, Bertrand Comperay, the attorney who I think was the best and most knowledgeable because he did his research, and what is, was a great contemporary of Wesley Swift, he said maximum two hundred thousand Jews might have died uh, in the Holocaust. Um, so somewhere between what he thinks and what the Red Cross validates, which is fifty-four thousand Jews died. So what? The bottom line is there was a hundred million people that died all over the world in China, India, Japan, uh, all over Europe, and so forth. Uh, Africa, Northern Africa, a hundred million people died. The bombings of Germany and so forth. Hundred million. Well, let's say there was 6 million that died. How come we never talk about the 94 million that uh, were non-Jews? Exactly. What is so special about 6 million Jews? So these are all the things when you bring forth these. I've tried to get on the radio stations the local call-in shows and uh, national call-in shows to try no. to bring this up. They won't dare let me speak no. about it. Even coast to coast, um, which talks about all the odd subjects that are out there. They won't let you bring up that. Why? Because the Jews control the media, and they don't want this information getting out because then you'd say, well, gee, if the Jews lied about the six million, might they have lied about something else? Duh.
1: (laughs) Well, it's funny, Pastor Bob, because someone actually emailed me, and they said, oh, you've got to listen to this show, and it was off coast to coast, and someone called in, and they were praising your book, and they said things about your book. And I saw the date of the email, so uh, I managed to get hold of that show. But of course, they were referring to the show from the night before. And so I end up hearing the wrong show. But pretty much as soon as the show was about 15 minutes in, they started taking calls. Someone called in to say, oh, and whoever called in about that... Uh, you know, about Jews being behind anything, they're completely wrong and this synagogue of Satan book is wrong and then the presenter was like, oh yeah, and I agree with you and we're great lovers of Israel on this show and all this sort of stuff. So I I actually heard the better bit. I heard the the condemnation the following day rather than the caller coming in the day before. So I don't know what they'd said. Um, But then going back to, funnily enough, I'll I'll have to send this article to you because the first couple of points will... You referred to the um, biographies. This is in my article. Uh, it just says, a now quote from the 2005 entry in the synagogue of Satan updated, expanded and uncensored. On December the 5th, f- following accusations from Holocaust revisionists that World War II leaders never mentioned the alleged holocaust of the Jews in gas chambers, Richard Lynn Professor Emeritus at the University of Ulster, reports his research into this matter as follows I've checked out Churchill's Second World War and the statement is quite correct not a single mention of Nazi gas chambers, a genocide of the Jews or of 6 million Jewish victims of the war. This is astonishing. How can it be explained? Eisenhower's Crusade in Europe is a book of 559 Pages. The six volumes of Churchill's Second World War total 4,448 pages, and de Gaulle's three volume Memoir de Guerre is 2,054 pages. In this mass of writing, which altogether totals 7,061 pages, not including the introductory parts, published from 1948 to 1959, one will find no mention either of Nazi gas chambers a genocide of the Jews, or of six million Jewish victims of the war. And then the other part that you mentioned is what I open this article, Holocaust or Holohoax, You Be the Judge, with. And that is, um, first, I've I've just put... uh, Uh, But first, let's start in 1919, when an early incarnation of the Holocaust of six million Jews is reported by former governor of New York, Martin H. Glynn, in the American Hebrew magazine. This Holocaust of six million Jews in Romania, Poland and Ukraine clearly doesn't receive the publicity required and quietly disappears from history. And you're right. It's October the 31st, 1919. I've got a picture of the actual paper in there that you can view it's quite small but uh, you would be able to read it direct from the paper and then of course we go on to um there's there people have been putting youtubes out of of newspapers published between 1915 and 1938 in which they uh there's repeated claims of six million jews dying uh, all around uh different countries primarily in europe uh, Russia, East Europe, whatever um, ni- between 1915 and 1938 and there's a YouTube of that in the, embedded in the, in, in the article that you can watch so you can see that this 6 million figure has been uh, a figure that they've been pushing and pushing and then the only other bit you referred to, uh, jumping back to talking about the churches, you referred to Painin's Bible, that's Ivan Painin, and he did a lot of work on um, new- biblical numerology I believe
0: yeah, uh Panin uh Panin, sorry. Yeah, what he did was um uh, uh he was a great mathematician and uh what he did was he figured out and it's a fascinating book, really advanced, um if people want to get into it, but what uh there's there's two languages, which is Hebrew and Greek, that are both alphabetical and numerical. And, uh, Pannon did a whole work. Uh, we don't have time to get into that. We'll do that on another show. Yeah. But Pannon did a whole work on, uh, how the, the numbers, uh, if you align the numbers with the words in there, how it's such a mathematically precise book. And it, folks, you got to understand it went from, and, and they, he only had. Uh, you know the uh, at best the 78 books and two false books, but he the the whole 153 books. If he would have done the work on those, he would have found the same thing. And to be able to write a book, from Adam wrote the first book, since he was the first one of our race of a human, which means spirit man. Uh, other races are not spirit men. We are spirit men, the pure white race. We have Yahweh's spirit, and we have a physical body, uh, and we have a soul. So, But we're spirit men. Other people, they have a soul, and they have a body, but they, they don't have the spirit. They're not the spirit of Yahweh. They're not Yahweh's children. <clears throat> that, again, is another thing to get into. But to write the book from Adam all the way down, Seth wrote a book all the way down Noah and, and Enoch and, and uh, Job and so forth, all the way down, all of those prophets uh, writing the book, all the way down to Yahshua's time. And the same theme runs through the entire book. And it's not only uh, alphabetical, alphabetically correct with the Hebrew language, it's numerically correct. For that to happen, that's an absolute miracle. There's just no question the scripture is a true word of Yahweh, no matter how much they've messed with it. And the King James, they they say, depending on who you talk to, has anywhere from 20,000 to 30,000 mistranslations in there. Uh, 23,000 is about the correct number from what I've been able to deduce. And uh, that was... <clears throat> rewritten by Shakespeare, which we went over that, uh, which is why it has such a nice flowery flow in the wording of, uh, the King James. And I have a, a copy of the uh, 1611 King James, which you folks can get for a couple hundred bucks from greatsite.com. Um, they're the largest antiquated Bible, uh, company in the world. Um, they're based out of, uh, Arizona, and uh, they also have another uh, place in Florida, Uh, Jeffcoat. uh, John Jeffcoat is the name of the guy that runs it. Um, Anyway, uh, I have the facsimile reproductions of all of the top books that you can get for a few hundred bucks rather than pay uh, thousands, if not millions of dollars for some of the original uh, that's out of my league, and really what I'm all, only interested in is not an antique collector's item. I'm interested in the information that's in the book. So for me, a facsimile reproduction is perfect. Um, at any rate, you can get these these books, and and you can look at them, and you can read them, and it, once you understand Pannon's book, and you start getting through that, and I found out about him through uh Bertrand Comperay, and he mentions him in his uh, uh recordings and so forth his books uh, so uh it, you know it, it's a fascinating subject you could study the scripture your whole life and you would continue to learn something new every day
1: exactly and um yet yeah, finally um and it's, it's up to you pastor Bob if you want to give out um I mean, my email address is Hitchcock at hotmail.com. That's Hitchcock at hotmail.com. Do you want to give out your address for people who want to go on your email list, or do you want them to come to me? It's up to you. Um,
0: you folks can go through Andrew if you like, or uh, mine I have an email I, when I find an interesting article uh, on, on the Internet there uh, or some scripture uh, things or whatever. Uh, and I might write some comments in there and I send that out to my list. But anyway, um, it's two seed line message. That's T-W-O-S-E-E-D-L-I-N-E-M-A-S-S-A-G-E, two seed line message at yahoo.com.
1: Excellent. Right. Um, now, let me just have a look at the clock. Right. We've got about uh, 12 minutes, I think, left. But I'll read through, because we'll carry on. I doubt we'll get through all of this uh, next part, which is number two of Satan's Top Ten Organisations. But you've actually done shows on this anyway, when we did the money shows. So we'll see how we get on. Uh, As I say, we can carry it over to the next show. Uh, Number two, banking organisation. The banking business all over the world is owned and or controlled by the Rothschild family. It includes the Bank of England, the Federal Reserve System, in the US, the World Bank and the IMF, etc. When Mayor Amschel Rothschild died in 1812, he owned half of all the known wealth in the world. According to Eustace Mullins, the absolute best historian of the 20th century, by 1885, the Rothschild family effectively controlled the world. The paper-money gimmick game has allowed this to happen. Usury is anti son. It is forbidden in the scripture. The Shylocks from Shakespeare's Merchants of Venice, the coin clippers as they were known, to shave off very small amounts of gold and silver from the coin coins, to cheat the people. That's why we have ridges on the ed- edges of coins. The goldsmiths used to give receipts of paper for the gold and silver on deposit. They soon discovered all the people didn't come back at once to redeem the coins, and people traded the receipts instead of redeeming the coins. So they printed up more receipts than they had gold. Thieves, and lawyers. The Congress of the US allowed our Christ Sons and constitutional gold and silver money system to be taken over in 1913 by the Federal Reserve System. The Congress still allows it to go on today. They have all broken their oath to uphold the Constitution and defend this country from enemies without and within. They are all guilty of treason. The bankers collapsed the stock market in 1929 on purpose to steal all the gold in the country with the hope of Rosenfeld. Kennedy did stop doing business with the Federal Reserve System in 1963 with Executive Order 11110 and started printing silver certificate notes. $400 million were printed before he was murdered and and Johnson then recalled them. They then stole all the silver out of circulation. Fully one-third of income taxes today go to pay the interest on this phony debt, with no hope of ever reducing the debt. The Catholic Church tried to go up against the Rothschild banking cartel, and their assets were frozen. They were given one chance to go along with their program or be destroyed. World dictatorship and total control has always been the goal. They achieved that in 1885. Destruction of the Christ sons is their ultimate goal for the last seven and a half thousand years only by the christ sons crying out to yahweh can we be saved now over to you pastor bob
0: yeah the uh the big thing uh richard kelly hoskins wrote some great books and uh one of them is uh war cycles peace cycles and he gets into that down through the ages there's been three groups the warlords or the kings whatever you want to call them the government the politicians these days they're one group the other group is the priesthood uh who tries to keep everybody calm and they both pick the pocket of the people but the real big uh thing is the uh the the merchants uh which are multinational corporations today uh, but those merchants, uh, they would pay the priesthood to keep keep the people calm in the land, and they would pay the the king to, if the people did try to steal uh, from the camel caravans, which were the big thing in those days, uh, that, that they would uh, go ahead and they would uh, kill them and torture them and do it publicly to dissuade anybody else from doing it. It used to be that they would have the camel caravans, and there's a A entire uh, desert that goes from the Gobi Desert over in China at the Pacific all the way through the Arabic desert, all the way down through the Sahara Desert, of course, North Africa. And so the camel caravans would go down through there. And there might be anywhere from 5,000 to 25,000 camels in the camel caravan. And so uh, the people didn't know really how all about that and so forth. But when they found out if they could steal one camel, they would have enough money for the rest of their lives. Plus, Uh, so that's why there was so much wealth on these camels. But that's what the camel caravans do. Anyway, the the banking industry was just another part of a merchant, another merchant until Rothschild really put it together. And what he did was he stole the largest uh, fortune that there was, was Prince William of Hess at the time. He was the richest guy. He became his factor. And uh, he told him that he was uh, uh, under threat of being killed and he should go up to Denmark and hide out. Don't worry, Rothschild, he'd watch the money. And uh, anyway, he went up there and magically got killed in in, uh, Denmark. Uh, So Rothschild kept uh, the largest fortune. So that's how he got started. He stole the largest fortune there is. Now, he figured out also that if you're going to run the world, you take it over from the top down, not a grassroots on up. Uh, That's not how you do it. And so that's why he had Adam Westhoff. Excuse me, Adam Weishaupt, he had him uh, infiltrate the Masonic Lodges, which were all the politicians and the wealthy people and the merchants and stuff uh, congregated. And they slowly worked their way up, just like they took over the churches, and they took over the Masonic Lodge. Prior to that, the Masonic Lodge, going all the way back when they were known as the Masonos, back way before Christ's time, all the way back to when Enoch and Job built the pyramids, uh, which is where the Masons, the builders, came into play. Uh, they were good guys. They were just basically a, a builder's union. And uh, so whenever you went around to other places, um, you uh, gave the secret handshake and so forth, and uh, you could get a job there in, in the building trade. <clears throat> but when they took it over uh, in... Uh, seventh May first, seventeen seventy-six is when Adam Weishaupt formed the Illuminati and started taking over the Masonic Lodge, starting with the Bavarian Lodge um over by Germany. Uh as they took it over, uh you know, they changed it from a building of buildings to a spiritual building and they changed it. I happen to know this because I did get my third degree Masonic uh, back in, uh, about, I think it was 1993, down in Long Beach when I was living down there because I wanted to become a lawyer, and half of all the judges and lawyers are Masons. Uh, little did I know about the skullduggery and everything that were in the Masonic Lodge. Needless to say, uh, you know, I never got past the third degree and joined the York Rite or the Scottish Rite. I knew about them. But uh, I do know some of the history of this, and uh, it's not Masons have always been bad down through history. No, just since May 1st, 1776, forward, they've been uh, bad. And the people in the Blue Lodges really don't know what's going on. It's only at the top ranks that they uh, get into a lot of the skullduggery and so forth. But back to the banking organization here, uh, what what he knew— uh, Rothschild was that uh, one of the great ways to make money was drugs and <clears throat> so he sent the Sassoon family with the muscle from the British uh, royal family uh, and their naval ships and so forth over to Hong Kong and they hooked two-thirds of the Chinese on opium through the East India Company and all three families got extremely rich but by that point uh, the The British royal family, uh, after 1815, when uh, they took over the entire stock market, when they found out by carrier pigeon that uh, Wellington had beat Napoleon at Waterloo, and the carrier pigeons flew over and gave that information first. He ran down to the stock market uh, and started selling a uh, bond market there, uh, started selling uh, as fast as he could. Everybody said Rothschild must know something. England's finished. We need to uh, get out of the market. And so as everybody's dumping it, the uh, prices of the stocks and bonds go all the way down to the bottom. And then Rothschild agents bought it all up at pennies on the dollar. And then eventually the news came that Wellington won and beat Napoleon at Waterloo. But by that time, Rothschild in one day took over all of England, including the Bank of England. And uh, he was in charge. So... Uh, then, uh, about 1920, five years later is when they started doing the, uh, East India Company and, uh, becoming, uh, the big drug lords. So and if there, any of the DEA or any drug people out there, if you're wondering who is the number one drug dealer in the world, it's the Rothschild family. Number two is the British Royal family. Number three is the Sassoon family.
1: We'll have to stop there, uh, Pastor Bob, because we're just out of time, but we'll continue this on the next show. I'll have got up to, I'll write a note of where we were. So thank you for joining me today. Thank you, everybody, for listening, and I'll be back with you all soon. Bye for now.
0: You have been listening to The Andrew Carrington Hitchcock Show on the Eurofolk Radio Network. Andrew's book, The Synagogue of Satan, is now available on his website, andrewcarringtonhitchcock.com in an updated, expanded and uncensored edition.